0: Which really doesn't uh, something equate. that's innate. Yeah, but it doesn't equate to success, though. It just means you're more likely to be good at this. It doesn't mean right. you are good at it.
1: Right. No. It
0: means with hard work. Sure. Dun dun dah. dun. Okay. <laughs> you could be good at it.
1: <laughs> hmm. I think I feel like that's what we're gonna get into today. <laughs>
0: That's exactly what we're going to get into today here on the podcast. Welcome, listener, to the Fireside Podcast. I'm Jordan, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Abby, and we are talking about talent and talking about how that compares with hard work. So the old myth is what wins in a fight or a competition or in life, the most talented person or the most hardworking person. And the correct answer is the talented person that puts in the most work. <laughs> so
1: I see what you did there. <laughs> see, isn't that like the whole, the whole uh, karate kid movie? Like all those movies where the kid fails at something and then they would go find a master to learn under and they become this great warrior and at they the end. do <laughs>
0: intentional practice and they work really hard and then they're like, Oh, I can be really good at this. All yeah. I had to do was work hard.
1: Yeah. They had talent. And then they worked really hard at it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they won.
0: Yeah. Or how many times do we see in a movie like the super talented kid makes fun of the inferior kid? So they're, b- but the inferior kid doesn't have as much talent, but then he goes and puts in the hard work with his passion and puts in the work and grinds and becomes 10 times the success as the bully who just was just talented.
1: So are you saying that like superheroes are not a, are not a thing?
0: Well, like no, they're... they're
1: born with the these superpowers whereas like well iron man mm-hmm. who who doesn't have superpowers but he works really hard and yeah. is brilliant that that that's totally a thing
0: That's much more a thing <laughs> than ah I was born into a toxic vat of acid and now I can fly cuz those things go together great
1: Cuz would that be talent? No. <laughs> No,
0: unless your talent is falling into
1: <laughs> into vats of toxic
0: waste. Um, no, but that's an interesting uh, conversation of like, like
1: uh, something that's innately in you versus something that you work build hard and develop.
0: At. Well, I think the better story in that is like, have you ever noticed in superhero movies, the second the superhero gets their powers, they're like really good at being a hero. Yeah, yeah. that's so ridiculous like oh i didn't have to work at knowing when to save somebody what angle to fly at right like how if you not talk- to
1: destroy buildings yeah and hurt innocent people around me <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: like with lasers that can cut through anything or like i have the strength to pick up anything here let me shake this person's hand how do i know not to just destroy them mm-hmm. and it's like no yeah you just get it it automatically obviously that's exactly how it goes
1: well and they like They'll use one power and automatically they know how to use like 12 powers that they secretly had, but you know. Yeah, they didn't, didn't know, know they about had. them,
0: but now they know how to use them perfectly. Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I digress. Yes.
0: That was a big word for me. All wow. Right. All right, we're on a roll. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start this talent versus hard work with an artist and a quote that he said from Michelangelo, the artist. Um, He says, if people knew how hard I had to work to gain my mastery, nothing I do would seem so wonderful at all. And for me, that really resonated because as a musician, people say, wow, you're just so talented. Like, you make it look effortless. And in my mind, I have like, I would almost classify them as trauma The amount of hours I spent like sitting at a piano, smashing a piano key to make my voice match pitch or strumming the guitars as my fingers are literally bleeding and I'm like, ow, this hurts so bad because I don't have calluses and I'm learning. Or my choir teacher like yelling at me, you're out of tune, fix it. Just sing the note. And I'd sing the wrong thing again and it would just drive him absolutely crazy. Like I think of those things to get to where I am and I go like... Mm
1: -hmm. It, yeah, there was some talent, but there's also a lot of hard work involved. Yeah. I feel like this is a common misconception with anybody in the creative industry or has a creative hobby. People are just like in awe of creative people because they can draw or something really well, and they, but they don't realize all the hard work that went to, into it. They just think, oh, you, you you're an artist, you can draw, you can play piano, whatever. You must have, you know, been born doing these things perfectly. It's like, no... I just happened to really like these things. And so I worked really hard on them. And what you didn't see was every day I was drawing for hours and hours. And, you know, after 10 years of that, I'm, I, you know, I can do a pretty good stick figure. So <laughs> we often think that creative people are the only ones that struggle with these things or, or, <laughs> you know, have natural talents, but in, in anything, yeah. you know, pe- people work hard and that's how they get good at what they do. It just didn't happen overnight.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the big things is like defining that talent, right? It's like, what is talent? We kind of um, touched on it a little bit, but like talent is like that predisposition to do something. So like Mm -hmm. if somebody's really artistic, there's a really good chance that somebody around them or in their influence Mm. was relatively artistic or there was something that they gravitated to when they were really young that was like really colorful or artsy and like inspired that or maybe they're just given the opportunity and they got to do it Mm -hmm. and then were encouraged well through that. So then they said, Oh, this is a great Like I loved that my parents celebrated me drawing or singing. So I'm going to keep doing that. And then as they got older, there was a quality, there was a quantitative like quality hierarchy that they could walk up and say, Oh, I can Mm -hmm. get better at this. Mm -hmm. So then they'd work through that. And then all of a sudden you've put in 10,000 hours and you're like, Mastery at something. yeah
1: oh I have I have a good story about that so right. for for those of you who don't know me I am a graphic designer I've always loved art I've always loved to draw and I've been doing it since I was very very little my mom has all of the you know beautiful pictures to to prove that I've always been I've always loved art but in um, sixth grade I had a friend who was pheno- a phenomenal artist she would come over and she would draw uh characters for me and it I was just I was in awe of her because she was fantastic and I was nowhere near as good as she was and she would come over she would draw whatever character I asked her to draw and then when she left I would just draw that character over and over and over and over again to try to get better and that year it was kind of like it was kind of my discovery that I was an artist I went from like Always drawing a lot to like really wanting to draw to get better at something Mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden I started putting in all these hours and um I, I would just draw and draw and draw and I would ask her to come over and she'd draw more characters for me and then she would leave and I would draw these new characters and um and then I started uh going to art classes in school and it There was this mind shift that happened where I went from just somebody who liked to draw to like thinking of myself as an artist and then putting all all these hours to get better at artwork. But it all was sparked by this friend that I had, you know, had I not known her, you know, who knows where I would be right now if I would have discovered that love of art later or not at all. Or I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think it's really cool to kind of look back at those stories and go, like, oh, this is how I became who I am. Like, these Mm -hmm. things shaped me and the things I love. Oh, excuse me. Uh, One of the things that I really think is important that you mentioned was, like, that friend came over and you started drawing and drawing and drawing Mm -hmm. and drawing for hours and hours and hours over and over and over again. Um, In doing some research for this project, one of the... um, for this project, for this podcast, mm-hmm. one of the projects I saw was done by a university and they studied three different groups of like crazy talented violin players. Mm-hmm. And they followed them for like over a decade from like when they were learning to when they like graduated, I think this prestigious German program. And essentially... What they did is they, they had the top performers, which were going to be the people that were going to be um, the soloists that would travel the world as world-renowned violinist so-and-so, something or other. And then there was the middle group of people, which were the ones that would play in you know the state or national symphonies. Real phenomenal, better than 99.98% of other people, mm-hmm. um, but they couldn't quite take that next step. And then there was a group below them which were studying to be the highest level music, like violin teachers. So they had to show, you know, any of these groups are far superior to, like, everyone else in the world. Mm -hmm. But within those three groups, they tracked them for this, I think it was a little over a decade, of their development. And obviously there was, like, little differences. Like, you had some people who would you know, always treat their bow and violin a certain way or, you know, there was like Mm -hmm. little differences like that nuanced as humans as we are, but the difference between, um, the top performers and the, and the middle ground performers was over 2000 hours on average of, um, purposeful practice. Mm. So not practicing by doing something because, Um, one thing we can often think of is like practicing something is like driving a car. So like, when's the last time you practiced driving? Our quick answer is, well, this morning when I went to work, Mm -hmm. well, no practice isn't the repetition of just doing something practice should be working on something you're weak at to get better. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're just taking reps at something. You're just doing something over and over again. You're a robot. So this practice time. So the 2000 hours of intentionally sitting down going, I'm really bad at, and then working on that until they're no longer bad at it. So that level of like, that's a massive amount of time. And then the difference between the top group and the bottom group is over 4,000 hours, Wow! which I think I did the math. So if you wanted to be really excellent, and master, playing the violin, you'd have to play three hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 10 years. Wow. Nonstop, intentionally practicing things you're bad at, which in the beginning is anything. But then as you get further and further along, you have to be a lot more specific. And you have to uh, really have discipline because you're going to be better than anybody else in your class. You're going to be better than anybody else in your school, anybody else in your state, in your, at some point, maybe even in your country, but you're still not there. So like you're putting in these hours. Um, but I saw that was really cool. Like you talked about, like you start putting in all this time and you're practicing and you wanted to draw these characters. So like you got to work on it. And I think that's really cool because what people say, wow, you're so talented.
1: What they miss is that all those years of hard work.
0: Yeah, and I think.
1: And any anything anything can be learned. Anything creative, it can be learned.
0: Yeah, it's the desire to to be good at it or to be excellent at it that separates mm-hmm. the.
1: It's the passion. Yeah,
0: the passion is the quote unquote talent is really yeah. is I think talent and passion should be related to each other a lot more than talent and being like excellent at something. Mm -hmm. If I'm very excellent at something, it's not because I'm talented at that. So I can just do it. Mm -hmm. It's because I worked incredibly hard to be good at it. Right. Whereas like, Hey, I'm super passionate about this and good at it. So I have some talent at that. Mm. So I just thought that was really exciting and, um, kind of to bring this a little bit into focus on like a, as a believer, talking about kind of how we get in these cycles of like, well, I practice reading my Bible. I practice uh, worshiping on Sunday mornings. Like, why don't we practice? Why, why don't we look at those target points in our lives that we know are weaknesses? Mm. And why don't we attack them? Why do we settle for the mediocrity? And I think part of it is this idea that uh, Craig Groeschel kind of puts out there. Uh, it's called Getmo. G E T M O good enough to move on. And for a perfectionist, this is a live by motto because perfectionists, nothing is good enough. So they never move on and they get stuck and it's frustrating. It's this crazy weird cycle. But for the rest of us, I think some of us can take this too far to heart Mm. where it's like, ah, good enough. Ah, good enough. I checked the box time to move on. And I think of things like driving, um, People that are like singing even or drawing, like anybody doing anything can fall into this like good enough mentality. And I think generally when we're talking about like this talented, um, like talented versus hard work, I think that good enough mentality is the where the passion separates everyone. Mm. And so I think as a believer, we're called to be passionate. It's in our mission statement. We're passionately connecting. Right. Which means as believers, like, we should be isolating those areas of weakness. We should be putting in hours of focused practice, you know? And it's like, what does that look like? How do we do that? Well, it looks like...
1: Well, the challenge, so the challenge is, is how are you, how are you... Challenging yourself or being intentional about the way that you're practicing your relationship with Christ. You know, are you reading the Bible? Are you showing up on Sunday mornings? Are you are, are you identifying? You know, the concept of life transformation. Life transformation doesn't happen when you apply that idea of get mo, where you just are are like feel like you're in a place where you're good enough with God, and you just kind of settle for that. That's that's not where we want to be in our relationship with Christ. We do want to be passionate. We do want to be intentionally working to become more and more Christ-like. And even in that James study that we're going to be doing in the fall in just a little bit, we're going to be talking about what it means to be an authentic believer of Christ. And that is—it's the whole concept of sanctification and becoming more and more like Christ. And so, as we think about, you know, hard work and, you know, if hard work means— that we're intentional about what we're practicing? Are we intentional about identifying areas in our life where we're weak or where, you know, we're seeing sin creep in and are we attacking that? And we're intentional about removing that from our lives and working um, more towards, again, becoming more and more like Christ. And transformation just doesn't happen in a passive setting. You can't, you can't just expect it to happen if you're not intentional about it.
0: Yeah. David struggles with this in the Psalms. He uh, he prays this prayer like, God, um, search my heart and know me mm-hmm. and reveal the things um, that I can't see. Like, reveal in me what what my trespasses are. And that's such a powerful and dangerous prayer, right, as a mm-hmm. Christian. Like, it's it's kind of it's not kind of it is a scary prayer to pray sure because you're asking God to show you where you're sinning where you're falling short and bring it to the front where it's obvious and yet obvious.
1: It's so necessary if you want to be, continue to become more and more like Christ i think you know so many times we we joke about you know if you pay, if you pray for patience god's going to test you in patience and so we're like don't pray for patience because then you'll be tested but in reality like as we strive to become more and more like Christ like we're going to be praying for these things and if you notice that hey you're really lacking with patience in your life start praying for patience and and be prepared to do the hard work of of changing if that's where you're struggling
0: yeah isolating those key factors and those flaws that we have, we're human. We shouldn't be embarrassed by those things when they come up either. I think that's no. that's something that as believers, uh, as anybody, as humans, as our flaws are exposed, we tend to retreat. And I think a really wise thing for us to do is like God's our great counselor. The same way we go to a therapist or a counselor, like, like when he reveals those things to them, like it's okay for us to take those in stride and push through them, pray about them, asking, you know, God, how do I not address this in a way that gets me through this moment, but like, how do I grow? How do I develop? How do, how does this make me a better believer, a stronger believer? You know, what's my testimony through this? that I get to share right. and encourage others with.
1: Right. And, and it is so easy to get in that defensive posture, but um, I, I love um, James McDonald uses this phrase. He says, if your faith isn't changing you, it's probably not saving you. Mm. And so, Again, if you're not seeing transformation happen in your, in your life, that that's not a good place to be at. You you want to see that. You want to see where are you broken in your life, and and everyone is broken. Every one of us are, are, are sinners and it desperately in need of God's saving grace. And so, in your life, if you're seeing, if you're if you're seeing where you're you're failing and you're working to change that, like that's an encouraging place to be because that means that God is at work in your life and that you are becoming more like him and less like that person that you were before Christ was a part of your life. Yeah. So don't be don't be scared of that hard work. That is encouraging rewarding hard work.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we see that with these talented and gifts, right? Like like mm-hmm. we were just talking about with talent, like the reward is being, you know, in the creative realm, that talented, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. Hey, you're a great drawer. You're a talented drawer. Well, it's because I spent a ton of time drawing. Hey, you know what? You're an amazing man or woman in Christ. Well, it's because I spend time with Christ and I am vulnerable. I am um, willing to face my sin, repent of it and do my best to not do it again and work, work through that sin. And like, I'm willing to face tomorrow, um, I almost just started singing (laughs) because, because he lives, I can face tomorrow.
1: Okay. I want to take us like on a tangent here, Jordan. Do it. So, um, as we're talking about talent versus hard work, um, we, we do acknowledge that, you know, God has made everybody unique and has given them each their own passions, their own talents, their own, um, innate things that, that they're really good at which we would call talents, and um, he's given you the passion to work hard on them. And all of those talents, you know, can be used to glorify God. So how are we to use those to glorify God? You know, if that's what they're there for, how does that that play out in a believer's life?
0: Yeah, are you specifically, to throw some vocab into our conversation, are we talking about like ability- Or are you thinking more like in the realm of like spiritual gifts?
1: Well, spiritual gifts is an interesting conversation, but what I'm really getting at first is, hey, I am really good at graphic design.
0: Yeah.
1: How the church needs a graphic designer. How am I using that talent to help them? Or I'm really good with computers. I can be there to serve on the tech team.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you just pointed out too, like really quick easy ways. I think the church is something that's made up like, I mean, you see it on Sundays. If you come to church and you're a part of your church, you know, there's people that run the lights, run the sound, play the music that are greeting you when you walk in. There's people that teach Bible studies throughout the week. There's the, somebody has to come and clean. Somebody has to stack chairs when it's needed mm-hmm. or help out with the young kids or the mm-hmm. youth group. like. I think when God gives you a passion and the ability, which is that human thing that we just like we're born with that. Yeah. We develop into a talent, that ability. Mm -hmm. When we have that ability, we can put it to work in the kingdom directly because there's things to do. Mm -hmm. Like we're called to do these things like working at the coffee bar. Like you can learn how to work at the coffee bar. You can learn to make coffee. You can learn to take someone's order. And so I think, the way to do that is by jumping in. I mean, seek yeah. seeking, seeking ways to help, asking people. You know who your leaders are in your church.
1: Yeah. Ask well, them. and I would even go so far as to say, if you're not serving according to your talents that God's given you, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing God a disservice by not using the gifts that he has given you to serve him, but also yourself because when you find what it is you're passionate about and you use it for 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 other people and for God's glory, that's what brings joy, like true joy.
0: Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been able to walk up to people and whether it be, excuse me, on the worship team, or they've been working at the coffee bar or with kids. And um, you can just see the look in their eyes of like, this is, if they could find a way to be a greeter, like, and make enough money to live, like, At church, they would do it. (laughs) Like, if they could live greeting people at the door, they would do it. They could do it every day. There's those people who love that human interaction. There's people that love making coffee, that love that, you know, putting those skills to work. Hey, you know what? I'm really good with computers. Jumping on the live stream team. Like, I have watched people engage in a way that, yeah, maybe they're not musically inclined necessarily, but they know they've got a good ear for music. So we get them on the sound team and they do a phenomenal job and they take ownership of it. And they feel like not only are they a part of the sound team, but they're contributing directly to the service, to the church, and having massive impact in a real tangible way that is life-changing. Not only does it change their life because of the way it brings them into what's happening, but it changes lives because they're a part of the ministry. the The gospel that people are hearing maybe for the first time—it's running through the sound system, but they're controlling. Like there's these levels to things where, like, if you're a greeter, the smile you give somebody might be the first smile they've seen all week. You don't know. So the amount of impact that that has is so amazing that God gives us these abilities to be friendly, to be, you know, relatable, to have some sort of technological or creative really ability Mm -hmm. and we can turn that around instantly to glorify the kingdom. Like, I think that's so cool. And it's a very specific way um, that God uses us. So one thing I want to make sure that we, I think we've done a good job of doing this already, but I want to make sure we don't confuse like talent, skill, ability with spiritual gifts Mm. because somebody will say, Oh, you're so you're such a gifted drawer. You're such a gifted musician that can easily get confused with spiritual gifts. And so like that gifted drawing we talked about as ability, it's a human tool that God can use to impact the kingdom. It's great, but we're born with it. Um, Spiritual gifts. And we're going to cover this next week more in a much deeper, um, in a full podcast devoted to it all by itself. um, but it's a unique thing that God uses specifically and directly to minister to others. And it's a gift that you get when you're a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it'll, it'll be directly correlated to those abilities and passions that you already have. Because why wouldn't it be? Right. You're passionate about it. You're good, good at it. But I just want to make sure as we close this podcast and kind of tease into spiritual gifts for next week that, that we kind of make sure we separate those things. It's my ability to play guitar or piano is not my spiritual gift. And since we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts next week, this week, when you get some time, jump online, find a spiritual gifts test, take it, have your answers ready to know kind of where your spiritual gifts are. Maybe some will surprise you. Others of them, you might know right off the top of your head. Yep, I'm definitely hospitable. Yes, I'm (laughs) definitely whatever it might be. You're a leader, so on and so forth. Jump on that. We can't wait to talk to you next week talking about spiritual gifts. This has been the Fireside Podcast. We'll see you next week.